Thank you for joining us. Today's class is dedicated in memory of Sabut Bat Altun and Ezra Ben Victoria, which is Miss Sadie Dweck Aleha Shalom and Eddie Missy Aleha Shalom by Tuni, Eddie's wife and Eddie's wife and and Sadie's daughter. And you know, growing up in Deal, this the Misri family and the Dweck extended Dweck family was one that we felt very close to and very much looked up to. So again, as a little kid, I'll always remember Eddie Misri um, in Lawrence having Yeshua. My father was the rabbi back then. And then um, in Rabbi Diamond's Kolel and watching him walk in, interact with the rabbis. I mean, he was one of those people that in his youth or relative youth had a tremendous amount of respect for Torah and rabbis and helped really grow that part of the community, lift up the spirits and the energy and the, the mentality of the rabbis and lift up the spirit, energy, and mentality of Torah, especially in Deal. So, the matriarch of the family was one that, um, did she live next door to my mother-in-law? I'm not sure if that was, I think that's Sadie Duak. My mother-in-law lived on East Third. this is many years ago. My mother-in-law lived on East Third a week, a year ago. And I think, whatever, anyhow. So I got, okay. So anyhow, but this is Sadie Duak, I know her from the deal days and from her children in deal. And Bizat Hashem, our Torah should be an elevation for both and in Shamot. But what's a greater elevation is her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And Eddie's is the same. I don't know if Sadie has great grand, great great yet, but she has great greats already. So what if Hashem? But uh, Eddie, we know his children, his grandchildren, his great grandchildren that are again all following in that same path, and they're all involved in the community and involved in Torah. Whether it's like I said in Deal, even a little in the city in Brooklyn. So it's a tremendous honor, and very much uh, for Mrs. Misri. Thank you very much, Miss Misri, to dedicating today's class in memory of your illustrious husband and your wonderful mother who really are role models for thousands of people or at least hundreds of people many years many years today and many many years from now as well so thank you and tremendous honor thank you okay so when we talk about mistakes or sins that we commit there are some that are common by many there are some that are common by most, and there's one that's common by almost everybody. That means almost all of us are not good at this. I don't know if I could speak to every person in the room, there may be a couple here that are really good at this, but for the most part, almost all of us are not good at this. Do you know where I'm going yet? There you go. The answer is gossip and Lashon Hara. Almost all of us um, fail at that test. People that are good people, people that are obviously not such good people, people that are very religious, people that are not religious, people that are very religious, very, very religious, somehow. Again, you have a lot of people who are great at Kashrut and great at Shabbat and great at even Midot. They're wonderful character, but they talk and talk and talk and talk. And so the reality is to completely change that is very hard. But to mostly change that is not so hard. That means to say that I'm going to go in the next month and not speak any Lashon Hara, 
I would say the odds are almost 100 to 1. There's no chance that most normal people can pull that off. But to say you're going to go from 70 to 20, 70% to 20%, or if you're going to lower it on a scale of 1 to 10, you're going to go from a 7 to a 2, is not so difficult to do. To wipe out most of the Lashon we speak is not so difficult to do. So today our job is to try and make a compelling argument for why we should and why it's important that even though it's something where a lot of us aren't great at, it's something that's worth our while and our energy to improve. So our parasha, this week's parasha and next week's parasha, usually they're combined, but this year's Olympia, so they're separated. Both talk about this. They talk about the this plague, Sarat, which is a product of Lashon Hara, and the Kapara, what you do as an atonement for it. So, I have really two questions. One is that our whole parasha talks about this Sarat. Someone gets it on their body, on their skin, on their, they get it in their home, they get different parts of their body, different colors of white, different shades, different all different formats of Sarat. And the Gemara famously says that Sarat is a punishment for speaking Lashonara, for gossiping. How does Sarat, a white blemish on someone's body, how does that correspond to speaking bad about someone behind their back? Let's be clear, by the way. Lashonara is whether it's true or not true. It means even if it's 100% true, it is still Lashonara. So what does it have to do with, with, with Sarat? My second question is, the kapara, what you do to atone for the tzara, to atone for the lashon hara, is a very unique procedure. I don't think it's found anywhere else. You would bring two birds. One bird, you would take one bird, to put, this is the next week's parasha, you take one bird and you slaughter it. And the other bird, you keep alive. So slaughtering a bird is what happens in sacrifices in the Torah. You take a sacrifice, you slaughter it. But the other one, the other bird, you keep alive and somehow like dip it in the blood of the first bird and then you let the bird fly away. Why are we taking a bird, dipping it in blood and letting it fly away? What's accomplished with that? A korban, I get what's accomplished. A sacrifice, you slaughter, you bring it to Hashem. There's a message inside of it that I'm like sacrificing myself. But what am I accomplishing with taking this bird and letting it fly? So we're going to try and answer these questions. And let me put it this way. I think most of us value actions. That means a positive or negative action, we appreciate. We recognize, we look at it and we say, wow, he just did something great. Well, he just did something terrible. But words and thoughts, we don't value that much. It's not a big deal. It's just words. It's just Things I say, I'm thinking, think, whatever I'm thinking, what I'm thinking, whatever I'm thinking, whatever's on my mind, just whatever, whatever I'm thinking, who cares? Or even the words I'm saying, whatever, it doesn't really matter that much. If I did something, it's a big deal. The entire country is obsessed over a story that happened on Sunday night because someone did an action. That's why. Someone did an action. Literally, no one even knows that Russia's in war with Ukraine anymore because <laughs> one guy slapped another guy. It's completely because there's an action. Why well, he did that? That's something that people talk about. Whereas if someone just screamed, no one would have been talking about it. Someone's insulting someone, someone says something. Words, we don't value that much. Actions, we value a lot. 
But the problem is that's a mistake. Because the reality is how life works is that your life is your feelings. What you feel is the strongest indicator of what kind of life you're living. Which means you could show me your cars, you could show me your children, you could show me your marriage, you could show me, you could show me the, your bank account, you could show me your friends. I still have no idea what kind of life you're living, if your life is good or not. The greatest indicator of what how your life is is how you're feeling. It's not anything that's happening. It's how you're feeling. Someone, that person is living a good life has nothing to do with the things around them. It has, it contributes, but ultimately it's never a proof. How you feel means if you feel great, you're living a great life. If you feel horrible, you're living a horrible life. Doesn't matter the statistics. Doesn't matter what the papers say. Again, it doesn't even matter about all of the things that are taking place around you. Your feelings is the strongest indicator of what kind of life you're living. There are times when your life goes up and down from text to text. You see one text makes you feel good. The next text makes you feel drop. Then the next step brings you back up. You ever see that? You look at your phone, you see six texts in a row, and you put it down, and you're like, you have this confused emotion. Like, what's the, why am I confused? And you realize, because two texts were negative, and one text was annoying, and then three texts were great, so I have no idea what to feel. But your feelings are the greatest indicator of what, how good your life is. And the greatest way to generate feelings is with your words and your thoughts. Your words and your thoughts create your feelings, and your feeling dictates how good of a life you're living. So if you're feeling great, it's usually because your words and thoughts are great. And if you're feeling horrible, it's usually because your words and thoughts are negative. And when you're feeling great, then life is good, even if there's an issue or two. And if you're feeling horrible, life is bad, even if Around you, everything is perfect. But if your thoughts and your words are negative, then that makes life feel negative. It's not about what's happening as much. Again, what's happening contributes to it. But that doesn't dictate it. What dictates it most is how good your life is, is your feelings. And your feelings are generated by your words and your thoughts. I think this is why when we end the Amidah, we have a, a prayer that's added from the rabbis. That means the whole Amidah is also from the rabbis, but that's the real Amidah, is 19 Berachot. And then we say, Elokai Nitzor. And what are the words we say? Elokai, my God, Nitzor Lashoni Mera. Stop or protect my tongue from bed. Usvatai Midaber Mimai. My lips from speaking inappropriate trick. What does it mean? Stop my tongue from speaking bad, and my lips from speaking negative, the answer is, Hashem, if you protect that, then you protect my life. Because if my words are good, my feeling, my thoughts are good, and my thoughts are good, my feelings are good, then my life is good. And if I can't hold back, then it's bad. You know, I once read somewhere a great point about what thoughts are. We have all kinds of thoughts in your day. There's a thought is like a rocket. You put a rocket on the ground, it's on the ground. But then, if you add emotion to the thought, if you add energy to the thought, then that's what makes it shoot up. That's like the, 
engine. That's like the gas to the rocket. That's what makes it become. So you can have fleeting thoughts. You have a scary thought, a happy thought, a negative thought, a worry thought, an upset thought. All those thoughts float around your head. That's not a big deal. Those thoughts are not a big deal. But once you give those thoughts energy, then they dictate your life. And the way you give those thoughts energy is with your words. When you start talking all kinds of negative words and all kinds of gossipy words, then you start to make the rocket shoot in the air. And all of a sudden, the negative thing that happened around you is a big deal and is a big part of your life and is a big part of your feeling and bringing you completely down. This is why Lashon Hara is so bad. Because Lashon Hara is bringing you down. Lashon Hara is putting you into a state where you're talking about negativity and you're talking about wrong and someone else is wrong and someone else being bad and you're now, you just made the thought shoot like a rocket. You just made the thought something that became a deep emotion and something that's shifting your life. And you say, no, I didn't do anything. I didn't slap anybody. I'm just talking about it at my table. I'm just talking. No, you're not just talking. You're talking means you're feeling it. And when you're feeling it, you're energizing it, and you're changing your life and putting that negativity inside of you. I want to tell you a famous thing that the source is pretty powerful. We say on the during Teshuvah, we say Avinu Malkenu, our God, our, our Father, our King, and we talk to Hashem, Avinu Malkenu, my God, my Father, my King, please. And we ask him for all different things, and for health, and for panasah, and everything, income, all the things that we're hoping for, children and all that, it's all in Avinu Malkenu. But there are two phrases in Avinu Malkenu that seem to be very redundant. The first says, a phrase says, Avinu Malkenu, forgive me for all my sins. Makes sense. It's between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Please forgive me for all my sins. The next phrase says, Mechok harabim, erase with your great mercy, kol all of my contracts of debt. What do you mean, erase my contracts of debt? I don't know if you want to pay a debt, pay the debt. What do you mean by kol all like the things that I owe? It kind of means the things I owe Hashem. You just said erase my sins. The things I owe Hashem is also the sins. So you basically said, forgive me on my sins. And then you said the same thing again. So I saw a powerful explanation. The Chavot HaLevavot writes, and the Orchot Sadikim writes, these are powerful books written hundreds of years ago about Musar and philosophy. Here's what they write. Chavot HaLevavot writes, and you've probably heard this before, but I don't know if you've ever heard the source, that a person after 120 is going to go before God and Hashem is going to say, here are your sins. And you're going to look at the list and you say, okay, yeah, I remember doing that, I remember doing that, I remember doing that. And then there's going to be a whole list of sins that you never did. And you're going to say, Hashem, what do you mean? These things, I never did these things. I never went there. I never was inappropriate to my spouse. I never uh, did, I never cheated that guy. I never hurt that person. Where, wh why is he on the list? And Chalavot what says, God's going to tell you, they're on the list because those are the things you spoke about other people doing. And when you speak about someone else doing it, they become yours too. And so therefore we're asking Hashem, the first phrase is, erase my sins. The next phrase is, erase with your great mercy, 
my contracts, all the loans that I have where I borrowed someone else's sins. By talking about that person, I now took their sins. Hashem, please erase that too. So it's a separate stanza, it's a separate phrase because it's a separate set of sins. And I think the reason why, what does this mean? I talk about somebody, now listen, I get their sins. Like it doesn't, I can't fully explain it, but based on what we're saying, I can. Because if you start talking about those negative things that that person did, you put yourself there. You put your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts about those things. And now it's on your mind. That's what you're living a little bit. I know you didn't do it, but you're talking about it. You're living it. So they go in some way on your ledger too. Because that's really where you put yourself. You put yourself in that negativity. You didn't cheat the person, but you're talking about the cheating. You're thinking about the cheating. Your emotions are enwrapped in that cheating. Or you're talking about the stealing. Or you're talking about that person's disrespect. Or you're talking about obnoxiousness. If you're talking about someone else's obnoxiousness, you're now bringing the obnoxiousness to you too. And now it becomes a part of you. The goal of what we need to be able to do, which is complete opposite of what the world does, is de-escalate things. Minimize a story. Make it not a big deal. I'll tell you an incredible story that was kind of written about in the past week about Rukhani Kanievsky. And it was famous from a few years ago, but the follow-up was not as famous. Rukhani Kanievsky, there was once a man who uh, maybe it was 30 years ago, was outside Rukhani Kanievsky's house, and he sees the rabbi is like feeding a cat. That's kind of odd thing to see. See, the rabbi, like, I guess there was a cat outside. He had mercy for the cat. He gave him something to eat. So the man snapped a picture of Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. So Rabbi Chaim was like, no, don't take that picture. And he got a little annoyed that the person was taking the picture. So the person felt bad. Oh, I'm sorry. He says, I'm sorry. I already took the picture. So I kind of too late. 25 years later, the man came to visit Rabbi Chaim. And Rabbi Chaim says, comes, he's too much for a little bit. Rabbi Chaim says, oh, he's here. The one's like, what do you mean, who's here? Tells the man to sit down. Schmoozes with the man for 20 minutes. Like 20 minutes is like getting 10 years of anyone else. 20 minutes, talking to him. And a piece says, I really want, I've been waiting 25 years for you to come because I want to ask you forgiveness. I apologize for getting upset at you when you took the picture. That part of the story was famous. The second half of the story, I'm not sure you're going to like as much. You ready for the second half of the story? Here's the second half of the story. Six months later, this person made a siyum on something. And he says, I'm finishing a masechet, or his son was finishing a masechet. Let me bring my son to the rabbi, to Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. He goes in, all the people that are there are all excited to see this person because this person was the man who Rabbi Chaim apologized to. It was like a, an event. Rabbi Chaim looked at the man like he never saw him before. And I was like, do you remember? Yeah. He said, I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. 25 years that he had to remember to forgive someone, he kept the man on his mind. Once he forgave him, there's no story anymore. So now, again, he loves all Jews, he was caring to the person, but now there's no story. Because the job that we need to do is de-escalate the story. Not escalate stories, not talk about them, not wrap our lives in them. We have to minimize them. It's not a story. 
The next phrase that we say in the Amidah after what we just said is Hashem, please let me talk bad. Is Menavshi Ke'afar It's such a difficult phrase to even say. Hashem, let me be like dirt. What does it mean, like dirt? Like just make it not a big deal. Not talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. You don't talk about it. Ke'afar. Like I don't want to care. I heard another story about Rechan Kansky. It's very hard to believe, but this is the story. The Prime Minister of Israel, I'm not sure which one it was, it might have, might have been Netanyahu, came to visit Rav Chaim. And coming to visit, the Prime Minister comes, means there's a setup of, you know, SWAT teams and snipers on the top of buildings and they're cutting off, you know, blocking off streets and there's a whole tunnel outside to protect. And the Prime Minister comes to visit Rav Chaim, maybe gets a bit of half or something, or a little advice on something, wears a kippah, the whole thing, and then the Prime Minister leaves. That night, Rav Chaim's children said to him, you know, but that was a, that was a tremendous Kiddush Hashem today. He says, what was a Kiddush Hashem today? Was it, you mean my grandson see you? Do you mean the fact that I finished this? The family said, no, the prime minister was here. He says, I don't remember. And now, again, it's hard to believe. But it's not so hard to believe if you were ever in Rav Chaim Kanyasi's room. Because I'll bet you the interaction wasn't long and it wasn't a big deal. The prime minister came in he said something. How do you become so accomplished like that rabbi became? How do you become so involved in your learning? If you're not so distracted by nonsense, we wrap ourselves, we hear a piece of Lashon Hara, we literally wrap our lives in it. I mentioned that slap before. Do you know how many hours, how many, how many, how many words in this country were spent on the dumbest little story? If some guy smacks each other in the back in New York City, somewhere on the street, I don't care. So why just because something happened? Where was it? In L.A., I guess? Why does it have to be something people talk about? There are people who probably watch the video 10 to 15 times. There's people who will, so every kind, we wrap ourselves in gossip. That's what we do. And with the advent of Instagram and Facebook and social media and media and all the things that we have, it became easier to really rap and rap and rap and rap and rap. And you get your head spinning for something. And here's a rabbi, the prime minister came to him. He doesn't even remember. Not a big story. So we need to have that ability to sometimes de-escalate the story. You have to have the ability to allow something to not be a big deal to not be important, to not be talked about. Because when you talk about it, you become part of it. When the rabbis say, Chavot Lavot is saying that you get those sins, again, I don't fully understand why, how it works and why it's fair, but I do understand that you now become a little bit, sometimes you play it out. What did he do? What was he doing? What do you have in mind? What did the person go? Where did they go before? Where did they go after? You literally put yourself there. Whatever gossip you're talking about, you literally put yourself there. So Hashem says, you're so excited about this? I'll put it on your list. Because in our Torah, words are very powerful. And words are very meaningful. Because thoughts are very powerful and very meaningful. And thoughts are very powerful and very meaningful because words lead to thoughts. And thoughts leads to emotions. And that's the life you're living. How many days in your life have you had that pretty much the morning was great and the afternoon was horrible and almost nothing changed. How often does that happen just because your emotions change and just because where you put your brain changed? 
So in the morning, your brain was in a good place. You're great. The afternoon, you put your brain in a bad place, and so you're terrible. But I want to tell you something else. The mouth has the opposite power to it. When man was created, Hashpasuk says, Hashem blew into him a soul. And man became a living being. Says the Targum, a famous Targum, man became a living being. Person, man became ruach memalila, a mouth that speaks. And the Ramban explains that what does that mean that man, you said man became a living being, now you said he became a mouth that speaks. So some say that the greatest um, quality of a human is that they speak. But I think the Targum is saying deeper than that. When you speak, it gives vayhi adam nevesh chaya. Your speech can literally bring life. Your speech can bring energy. Your speech can bring strength. Everyone in the back, if you could have a seat, we're going to end in about 10 minutes. So a person, when you speak, you can, you can energize something. And you could give something so much more strength that it had, than it had prior. And so much more energy than it had before. I want to give you what I think is, I heard this example the other day. It's an incredible example. Don't move your head when I ask you the question. Do you have a watch? Don't, you don't have to tell me yes or no. Here's what I mean by don't move your head. Don't look at your watch. You could, do you have a, you could answer if you have, you have a watch. Good. Do you know if the watch has on it numbers or Roman numerals? A lot of people have a watch for 20 years. They check it 20 times a day. And they don't know if it's... I asked someone the question the other night. He says, uh, Roman numerals. He looked down. He says, actually, nothing. Neither one. No Roman numerals or numbers. It's just nothing. So, because you know why? It's something that you do without any emotion in it. So if it has no emotion in it, you literally don't see it. But if you add emotion to it, it becomes much richer. I'm not talking about a watch here. I'm talking about the words you use. You can use words that can lift you up, that can energize. The Pasuk says in Mishleh, The mouth of a tzaddik is the source of life. So Rashi explains that that means that when a person, a righteous person speaks, they can energize other people. But the Malbim explains, no, no, it doesn't just mean that. When a person speaks the right words, it energizes themselves. Pete, Sadiq, Mekor, Chaim, you could give yourself life with your words. He says, if you speak good words today, it adds to more life tomorrow. And if you speak good words the next day, it adds to more life the next day. So your words, people don't realize it's the simplest, it's not a trick, it's the simplest um, life message or simplest life concept that can change how you feel. Put positive words in a situation, just put positive words in a situation, and you suddenly become positive. Literally the same story you're talking about. I'm not talking about a catastrophe. You can say, oh, I love that person. She's a wonderful person. And I, even if you're not feeling it exactly, if you create those positive words, it also creates a different environment. So on Saturday night, I sent out a little video. I'm assuming that some of you saw the video by this point. 
because it kind of got around a little bit. I sent a little video about when the husband, when the wife spends money. Yeah, you saw that video. So, well, the men are mad at me, correct? Yes. There you go. Oh, you're sticking up for the men. So we'll, get, so we'll get to it in a second. I think this Saturday night I have to give one for the men. I think I owe them something. There were stores that literally posted the video on the Instagram. So here's what I said on my little video. It was a good video. All the ladies liked it. Okay. Don't worry. Relax. I know I had too many numbers there. Anyhow, so I'll tell you what my little video was. I said it was a minute and a half. And I said that, you know, during this month, this is going to happen in almost every house. That husband and wife would wake up in the morning, everyone's in a good mood. And the wife says to the husband, hon, can I, I want to, got to go shopping today. He says, okay, for what? For the kids? How much do you want to spend? I probably need $1,000. He says, okay, no problem, $1,000. All right, we, that's okay. And he comes home that night and he has a funny face. And it is funny, he says, what's wrong? He says, I don't know, I just checked my phone and it said 800 in one store, 900 in another store, 1,200 in another store, 700 in another store. That doesn't act equal $1,000. Now, I know my numbers were a little too high. So I said, oh, that's too much in one day. But you'd be surprised. But anyhow, so it happens. So I said, at that point, the husband has a choice. I said, he could either flip out, which is natural, or he could do what the Gemara says in Baba Metziah. The Gemara writes, Tafnun Chet Amari Bichabor, Bichabor says, Adam Zahir Man should always be careful with the respect he shows his wife. There's only blessing in your house, only because of your wife. That's where the Berachah comes from. So I said, it's natural to go crazy. You could go crazy if you like, but, or you could be silent and let Hashem's Berachah do the trick. I said, good luck. It's for sure going to happen in the next few weeks in your house. Good luck. And please make sure you never show this video to my wife. That's what we said. So, no, my wife was not here. It was my daughter. She did not see it until Sunday night, 11 o'clock on the morning. I said, honey, I'm kind of hearing that you might get this come back to you. She says, why don't you hear that Junie posted some video from you? What's going on? I said, okay, let me show you the video. And then she left. And promptly on Monday afternoon at 1 o'clock, I violated my own video. It happened to me. I told my wife, honey, just don't spend anything today. She says, no problem. I'm just returning. Just the, the returning is the biggest sketch that ladies came up with. And it's free. Okay, no problem. You're returning, but they don't they only give a store credit. So now I have a store credit. One o'clock she calls me and she says, I don't know, I just spent a thousand dollars. I said, You spent another thousand? How'd you do that? And didn't we say this morning? She says, No, I just had a credit and and, and I was in the store and I just they were perfect. I said, "Hun, you know, we're making a wedding. Like, we have to prioritize. She says, I thought I was a priority. <laughs> and then she goes, for the old, so do you want me to return it? <laughs> no, I don't want you to return it. So you want me to keep it? No, I don't want you to keep it either. <laughs> so, long story short, she kept it. Um, of course, always. So someone said to me, I was like, Rabbi, I understand. You don't want... Husbands and wives are not supposed to talk about how much they're supposed to spend. I said, no, no, of course they're supposed to. Of course, you're supposed to have those kind of conversations. Try to have some level of responsibility. I said, if you realize the story in the video was after the fact. Once it happens, again, if you're going to return it, mazata. But if you're not going to return it, you're either just going to add all these negative words 
for no reason. It's, it's happened already. I'm talking once it happened. I'm not talking about, yes, everyone just spend willy-nilly. It doesn't matter. Don't care about your husband's income. Of course, I don't mean that. But what I do mean is that once it happens, if you're going to let it happen anyhow, if you're going to agree to it to happen anyhow, the negative words do nothing. Besides, add so much negativity to the air. And the truth is, I've got a little, I was a little frustrated. Why'd you do it? The, the back and forth, the hunger, the phone. I'm like, what did I just do? And the next day she kept it, and I was happy about it. So what I do, and I look back and I said, what I do? Why? Again, if I'm going to make a decision to return it, tell her to return. But if I'm ask her to return it, don't tell anything. But if I'm not going to make that decision, then what's the negativity going to do? We wrap ourselves in negative words, and that causes us to wrap ourselves in negative thoughts, which causes us to live a negative life. Or we could wrap ourselves in positive words and make the mouth of a tzaddik, make the mouth of a righteous person be the source of life. Bring life and energy into your world. As the Pasuk in Mishleh and a different pedic says, Life and death is in the hands of the tongue. Sometimes it means you could give orders, God forbid, for life or death. But more commonly it means that you could bring life to the story or death to the story just with your tongue. The Gemara Maseret Arachin says that Lashon Hara kills three people. It kills the person you're talking about. It kills the person you're talking to. And it kills the talker himself. Because all three of us are now in a negative state. Those words, those thoughts, they bring so much negativity, it's not necessary. You just killed yourself. That's why the punishment is tzarat. Tzarat is one of the things that the Gemara says, that a person who is a mitzvah is like as if they're dead. Like they're temporarily dead. And for those few weeks, they're experiencing a small death because the last, last the, the Torah is trying to show this person. You just spoke Lashon Hara. You killed yourself. Forget him. You killed yourself. So here's the kapara. You know what the kapara is? You're going to take two birds, two chirping birds. The first bird you're going to slaughter to send the message that that part of my tongue needs to be cut, needs to be cut off, needs to be ended, needs to be stopped. And then the second bird you're going to keep alive. Because that part of my tongue, the chirping about positivity and good things and Torah things and holy things and meaningful things and worthwhile things and energizing things, that I'm going to keep flowing. I want those words to keep chirping. I want those birds to keep going. I want it to keep going. I want to keep talking those words. I don't want to stay silent. Certain situations, I want to de-escalate. Other situations, I want to purposely escalate. I want to escalate good things and positive things and energizing things. If I can do that, then the tongue becomes this powerful experience. It doesn't make any sense what all of us do. We gossip and we gossip and we gossip and we create negativity in our own lives. We may hurt that other person, we may not hurt that other person, but we hurt ourselves more almost every time. Almost every time we speak, we hurt them, we hurt us more than we hurt them. We affect our own psyche, our own anger, our own emotions, more than we affect the person we're speaking about. So what are you doing? What are we doing? Why does it make sense? Why does it make sense for us to have a nice, happy, positive day, and then we start talking about all the people we hate? Why does that make sense? Now you just brought all the people you hate 
into your living room. And you're talking about all the bad things they do in your living room. So lying, cheating, stealing, hurting, insulting, obnoxiousing, disrespect, all of that now became on your Shabbat table. They weren't there five minutes ago. You just brought them to the table and say, Fadal, sit here with us. We want to talk about this. And we're going to involve ourselves in this and wrap ourselves in the words, thoughts, and emotions of that negativity. I'll end with this little anecdote. It's not a real whole story. But my daughter sometimes comes in and she says, but she's 13 and she's like, she's very emotional. So she's like, Dad, everyone, my friends don't like me and my friends did this and my teacher this and these friends have been... And I know her. She's great. Her friends are great. Everything's great. I tell her, listen, Ruthie, here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's how it's going to work. If you're going to be nagging and crying and jealousing and competing and all those things, then yeah, they're going to, they're going to, your friends, it's going to be, you're going to have a horrible experience. If you bring a positive energy, and if you bring, she's your just good, smooth, friendly, fun personality. If you bring that positive energy, watch all of a sudden the friendships are going to all feel great. She told me, nah, no, last night she's running in my office to get, catch the phone to conference with like three friends at the same time. And she says, dad, you were right. I didn't know what she was talking about. After the phone call, I said, what do you mean you were right? She says, you were right. When you bring positivity, it all of a sudden creates changes the nature of the whole story. So you want to change your, your life? Stop talking about the things you don't want to think about and you don't want to be involved in. And you want to energize your life, you want to shoot up the rocket to great places, then energize, talk about, think about, speak about, involve yourself in the things that are, create a tremendous amount of energy. Because life doesn't just go by your actions. It's much more dictated by your thoughts and your feelings. And if you're feeling great, your life is great. So start speaking great so you can start feeling great. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. There are two men in the back that are raising money for Bar Mitzvah boys in Israel. They helped make 70 Bar Mitzvahs last year, and they can help again. So please, if you could contribute. Do you have the credit card? Yeah, you have the, the cartes, Yeah, they have the credit card machine. So your $10 just went to $50. Please go in the back. It's good to see you back.